Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. We are continuing with the study of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And we have arrived to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I would like you please to turn to this fifth chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I would like to read these 13 verses found in this chapter. Please follow me as I'm reading 1 Corinthians 5 verses 1 to 13. So Shaul, Paul continues, and he's writing to the Corinthians, he said it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, when he gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Yeshua. Your glorying is not good. Know ye know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lamp? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lamp, as ye are unleavened, for even... Christ, Mashiach, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye need go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company 
If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunken or an extortioner with such and one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judge. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, when we arrive to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and actually 1 Corinthians chapter 6, these two chapters, the apostle Shaul Paul is directing the attention of the Corinthians to their local assembly. And the condition that exists there in relationship to sexual immorality and also in relationship to the fact that in their local assembly, they were so disgraced in the way in which they have allowed sin in their camp, in the midst of the assembly. Now, let me remind you that in the first four chapters of this letter, the Apostle Paul dealt with the condition of division among the believers in the city of Corinth. You remember he repeated twice in chapter 1 as well as in chapter 3 where he says, he said to them, now this I say, chapter 1 and verse 12, that every one of you saith I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I of Cephas and I of Messiah of Christ is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? You see, he presented before them the problem that they've had, the problem of division in that local church, local assembly. Later on, in chapter 3, he said to them once, Again, he says in verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, for where is there, there is among you envying, and strife, and divisions. Are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one say, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So he's reminding them, it is, First four chapters of the actual division that have occurred in that local assembly. And how sad it is when there is division among God's people. You remember what we read in the book of Psalm. When God wrote these psalm in relationship to Israel, and we can apply this to ourselves, beloved brothers and sisters, as we see how much pleasant, how much blessing it is to the heart of God and to the people of God when there is unity among the people of God. And so we read in Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
אם היבו הנה מטוב ומנעים שבט אחים גם יחד. You see, the, Israel, the nation of Israel was positionally united but practically divided. The church at Corinth were positionally united by practically divided. And that is where God's people need God's grace in order to maintain that unity in a practical way. Our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, had prayed in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 when he spoke to his Abba, to his father, And he said to him in his prayer, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, Abba Kadosh, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And, of course, we are one. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in Ephesians chapter 4, we read that there is one body. There is one body. But that one body, a composition of all believers, are positionally there is one body. But the evidence has to be in a practical way. Well, failure crept into the Corinthian assembly, and they were divided, and the apostle... Shaul, Paul emphasized the need to be uh, united in the first four chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians. Now in chapter 5 and chapter 6 is not only, beloved brothers and sisters, that the local assembly at Corinth were divided, but now we learn that they were a disgraced assembly in a sense because of there was sin in their midst that was unjudged. In other words, they continue on in their day-by-day life, but they didn't judge the sin in their midst. And Paul exposing this here. And again, remember that everything that Shaul Paul is writing to the Corinthians in order to correct them and restore them into fellowship with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And in every time that we read any scripture, and especially the letters that were written to the local assemblies in Asia Minor, all these letters were written as a corrective ministry in order to help the believers to be restored into fellowship with the Lord and with one another. And so, if you notice in these 13 verses of chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 to 13, the apostle Shaul Paul wants the Corinthian believers to consider their local assembly. Of course, it has to be universal as well, but in their practical way to consider the needs of the local church, local assembly, local congregation, local kehillah. What when sin creep in, In this local assembly, what kind of effect that will be in the local assembly? That's the question. If we are willfully continuing in sin, what kind of effect will that bring upon the local assembly? And that's why every believer needs the Lord to help us and to remind us 
because we are members of that one body, we are members of a local church, a local congregation, and the purpose of us being there is to be a blessing to each other, to enhance one another, to build one another, rather than to destroy. And so, you see how Shaul Paul is really asking, in a sense, through these chapters, to consider, to think about our local church, local congregation of believers, and to ask ourselves the question, what an unjudged sin will do for the local congregation, the local assembly. That's why you notice, if we love God's people, if we love the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, there is a need for us to be sensitive to the word of the Lord and to his command, to his requirement, to his demands, And by being sensitive, we will be able to respond to him and to receive the help that we need in our day-by-day living. And so here we learn already in the first two verses of 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2, that the Corinthians had sin in their midst. They did not even weep and cry because of the condition that was condoned and allowed in their local assembly. Notice what we read here in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 and 2. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Goim, the Gentiles, that one notice he's singular person, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourn, that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Notice that the apostle Paul is emphasizing the fact that there is sin in the camp, that there is sin in the assembly, and gross sin of immorality, and that the believers, the assembly of the believers, did not mourn over that condition that existed in their midst, knowing that this sin is continuing on in the midst of the local church, the local assembly. The word here, fornication, notice it is reported, among that there is a fornication among you, and such fornication that is not so much is as name among the Gentiles. In other words, there was sexual sin that was condoned and allowed and continued on, that that sin that was not even named among the Gentiles. Apparently, the sin that existed in the local assembly at Corinth was not even happening among the nations around them. Now, mind you, the Corinthians came from paganism, and they came from idolatry, and they lived all sort of a a sinful lifestyle before they became believers. They were born of the Spirit of God. They were brought into the assembly into to be part of the believers among the people of God. In fact, as we have mentioned that 
many times earlier that they were called saints in chapter 1 verse 2, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. In other words, they were saints, Mekudashim, set apart, and they were already part of that local assembly at Corinth. Uh, to remind you that that uh, word here for saints is Hagios, Mekudashim, and the reference in chapter 1 and verse 2 is a reference to their positional standing before God. So they were positionally set apart by God to be part of the ecclesia, of the assembly. But now we learn that practically they did not behave the way that they should have behaved. We have already mentioned in the fourth chapter that they were divided, but now in chapter 5 there was sexual immorality among them, and notice that it was not even named among the Gentiles. Apparently, what happened in that local assembly, it says that in verse 1, that one, this was one of the people who were brethren of the believers, that one should have his father's wife. Notice this expression here, one should have his father's wife. Apparently, this man was a son of his father, and it doesn't say that one should have his mother, but it's specifically speaking about his father's wife. His father must have had already a divorce from his wife, and then he remarried, and he took this woman, and apparently noticed that the apostle doesn't condemn the woman, because apparently she was an unbeliever, and he's directing the attention to the believers and to that man that took his father's wife. In other words, there was fornication, the word fornication, pornia in Greek, and znut in Hebrew, is any sexual sin. It could be any sexual sin in every aspect of sexual sin. A sin of sexual relationship before marriage, during marriage, sexual sin, including also adultery, including homosexuality. In every sexual sin, it is mentioned according to the Word of God. It is simply called a pornia, which comes from the word, the, in the Greek, it's really having a reference to pornography, sexual sin, in Hebrews, nut, and that sexual sin is that which brought about the judgment of God in past days, in days of old. And now, in that local assembly in Corinth, that thing was going on, unjudged. One fell into sin, and instead of judging himself, repenting, and turning to God in repentance, and be restored into fellowship, he continued on, and that was going on in the assembly, and then there was no judge in the local church, and therefore the Apostle Paul came through with this letter and giving this judgment for the benefit of the Corinthian believers. If you 
we just turn to chapter 6. And in chapter 6 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul will tell them, in verse 18, he says to them, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So the Apostle Paul will emphasize it more than once, but they flee fornication. Why? Because fornication is that which dishonor God because God have instituted the marriage union and he desired that within the marriage union there will be this physical, sexual relationship, but outside of marriage it is called fornication or adultery. We read in Hebrews chapter 13, marriage is honorable in all. And the bed undefiled, but whomongers and adulterers God will judge. And so, dear brothers and sisters, it is very clear that the Corinthians did not judge that sin and allowed this to continue on in their local assembly. And therefore, it was necessary for the Apostle Paul to write and to point to this problem that needed to be corrected. To Timothy, Paul have said as well in Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22, he said to keep himself pure. Notice at the end of the verse it says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins, Keep thyself pure. In other words, the Lord wish that God's people will be kept pure, will be kept for Him, and that there will be an honor unto Him in the local assembly. And how amazing it is, how it is so necessary. And so the apostle here is very strong presenting this before the assembly at Corinth. Let me remind you that it was not different in the history of the people of Israel. The people of Israel were called to be separated from other nations, from unbelievers, from other nations who worshipped other gods, but also not to have this fornication in their midst. It is a standard that had been provided and required by God from any one that belonged to him in any generation, beginning with a Genesis all the way to a Malachi in the history of Israel, and beginning from Matthew all the way to the book of Revelation, God desired that his people will be pure for himself. And when sin came, as it was in the days of David, David in Psalm 51 confessed his sin against Bathsheba, God forgave him and restored him into fellowship with him. That's what the Apostle Paul sought for the benefit of the believers at Corinth. Let me just read you a couple more verses in the book of Numbers in chapter 25. We read, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit hurdam. That's the same word, fornication, come from the word hurdam. 
in Hebrew znut or a prostitute, zona, it is sexual sin in any form and shape that God desires for the benefit of God's people to abstain from. And so Israel began to commit hudam with the daughter of Moab, and then they called the people unto the sacrifice of their God that the people did eat and bow down to their God, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And if you remember what happened during this time, because God judged the, the people of Israel, and a plague came, and we read in verse 9 of Numbers chapter 25, and those that died in the plague were 24,000. 24,000 individuals died because of the plague that God have laid upon our people of Israel in days of old when they committed Hudam with the daughter of Moab. And if you just also turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there the Apostle Paul will remind the Corinthians a bit later on of the way in which the Corinthians ought to behave if they are to be blessed, because the moment they behave in such a way, judgment will come. And so remember, we read in First Corinthians chapter 10, it does say in verse 6, Now all these things were our example, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. And verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication, pornia, znut in Hebrew, as some of them committed, and fell in one day, Three and twenty thousand. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul always make a reference to the history of Israel to show us that as Israel failed, so the failure in the church that exists and how God does judge sin in the midst of his own people. Judgment must begin at the house of God, First Peter chapter 4. And God will discipline his own people. Well, apparently, when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, there was one, notice that, one, he's singling one person, that he took his father's wife, apparently she was not a believer, she was not really a part of the assembly of the believers. Therefore, the Apostle Paul does not deal so much with her, but he deals specifically with this one person. But then he says in verse 2, notice there was no mourning, there was no weeping, there was no crying over this condition. That's why he said, and he puffed up. In other words, they were puffed up as if everything is fine in the local assembly, local church, as if everything is going on, and may, perhaps they were involved in all kind of missionary activity, and perhaps they were involved in 
all sort of things that sound rather good, as we will see later on when we arrive to chapter 12, 13, 14. There was all sort of uh, gifts that they received, and perhaps they were so proud of themselves of the fact that they were able to uh, perform certain spiritual gifts uh, among them. And, and so they were so proud, uh, and the apostle saying to them, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourn. Instead of being puffed up with anything else that you are doing, you are, first of all, need to judge yourself to judge in the middle of the assembly that things will not continue on in such a way. And then he notice he mentioned again that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. You will notice that in this fifth chapter, the Apostle Paul will use these four words about the judgment that needed to be taken the self-judgment in the midst of the assembly that needed to be taken care of before the assembly could enjoy a right fellowship with the Lord. And it's not only the judgment for the sake of just judging someone, it's always in view of restoring someone back to the Lord. In other words, discipline in the local assembly is always in view of restoration. Because we fail in so many ways, and failure and sin need to be judged. And once it's judged, there will be a restoration into fellowship. And you notice this, beloved brothers and sisters, here the apostle is desiring to instruct the Corinthian of the necessity to deal with a problem that existed in their midst that was known, that was practiced, sin that was condoned, allowed, and not judged. Notice he doesn't say to them to deal with the motives, but he wants them to deal with the evidence that is being in their midst. Therefore he's saying to them, ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed, notice it's an action that was happening and condoned and continues, he said, might be taken away from among you. Notice the apostle doesn't ask them to judge or to do something about motives, no but about action, wrong practices that was condoned and unjudged uh, by the person who did so need to be judged and dealt with by the leadership of that local assembly, local church. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, we can see the condition here with that man. Later on, we can read together about what happened with that person. Apparently, he was restored eventually. But the lesson is here of the importance to deal with that which is known, sin that is done and undealt with. Therefore, the local assembly need to ultimately take a decision. Now, if you remember the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah himself said in Matthew chapter 7, Judge not that ye be not judged. Oftentimes, people use this verse to say, See, we shouldn't judge anybody because if we'll judge someone, we will ju be judged ourselves. But the thought here that we are not to judge 
motives. We are not taking God's place with respect to motives, but what we can judge is action. That's why it says, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you again. In other words, when you are judging motives, God will deal with you. But here, it is exactly the opposite, because here, there was a sin among the people of God in the assembly at Corinth, and the Corinthians, instead of dealing with that, they did not, and they were puffed up, they were proud, they were really bragging of so many other things that perhaps they have done and have accomplished and was going on in their local church, local assembly, but they did not deal with that important issue. So you notice what we read here in these verses, that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. In other words, you Corinthians, you elders, leaders in the local assembly take action, and the action has to be done in a godly manner, in a way that is pleasing to the Lord for the benefit of both the local assembly and the person that have gone wrong. You will notice that the word take away, and the word deliver, and the word purge out, and the word put away is mentioned here in this chapter, four ways in which the apostle Shaul Paul instructs the Corinthians to take action. Take away, deliver, purge out, put away. He wants them to take an action. Take away, verse 2. Deliver, verse 5. Purge out, verse 7. Put away, verse 13. These words are clearly showed us that the Apostle Paul wanted that Corinthians will take a godly action in the midst of the assembly of the believers. Amazing to see how the Apostle is challenging the Corinthians. So, if the lesson is to apply to us. If we are to think about the local assembly, what will any sin that one commit will do for the benefit or for the hindrance of the assembly? Well, it will harm. If we love God's people, we have to deal with sin, unjudged sin, and uh, act upon it. The first thing we need to do is to mourn over that sin and not... Uh, to be uh, exalting ourselves, I didn't fall into that, he did it, she did it, they did it, not me, and because the apostle will remind us that if someone fell into sin and we are about to help and correct someone, we must have a godly attitude. In Galatians chapter 6 we read in verse 1 and 2, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, in a sin, in an offense, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tested. Bear ye one another burden, 
and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of Mashiach, Torah HaMashiach. And so here we see the need to mourn. The Corinthians didn't, so Paul remind them, you need, you didn't even mourn over this condition. You're, and it was reported, everybody else knows that it's going on in the local assembly, this fornication, and you don't do anything about it. You don't even mourn over that. So now, in the next verses, verses 3, 4, and 5, the Apostle Paul continues now and he says, you don't only need to mourn for that. If you love the believers, if you love the honor of the Lord, if you love Yeshua the Messiah, if you want to be a blessing to God's people and honoring to the Lord, you need, first of all, to have an attitude of humility. Uh, You are to mourn uh, over the sin that is not being judged. And now you need to also take an action that will honor the Lord against that person and actually for that person's blessing and restoration to the Lord. And so in verse 3, 4, and 5, the second thing that we learn here, that if we are to love God's people, and to love the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, and to desire the blessing of God's people, we not only need to weep and mourn over the condition of a sin uh, that condone an unjudged sin in the local church, the local assembly, but also we need to take action and discipline in a godly matter. And so in verse 3 and 4 and 5, Paul says in verse 3, For I verily, as absent in body, I'm not with you there at Corinth right now, but I heard about that. In fact, it says, as we have already read in verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. So in other words, Everybody else know that, and it was reported. And if you will go to verse 9 of our chapter, you will notice that Paul already, Shaul Paul already wrote to them an early letter that apparently it was a lost letter. And in the previous letter, before 1 Corinthians, he already wrote them in verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle, apparently you've already sent them in, in another epistle earlier, I already wrote to you in, a, in an epistle not to company with fornicators. In other words, I told you this already before, in fact, it, uh, it has been going on apparently for a long time, the Corinthians did not judge it, they didn't do anything about it, they didn't mourn, because of the condition, they didn't take an action, and so now Paul is writing to them in this First Corinthian letter, after he already wrote to them in a previous uh, epistle, a previous letter, he is now telling them that he himself, in verse 3, even though he is not with them, I am not present with you in body, but present with you in spirit, he said, I have already judged I've already judged. I don't judge the motive of anyone, but I judge the action. I judge it already as though I were present. Consider him, notice again, he's singling a person. Not everyone in that condition, but there was one person. You notice in verse 2 it says that he that has done this deed. It's a one person. Now in verse 3, concerning him that has done this deed. That person that have done this deed was continuing on without to judge himself, first of all, 
and then without to be disciplined by his own brethren. So in verse 4, Paul continues and he says, In the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, in the name of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, to deliver such an one, notice again, it's a one person, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Interesting, beloved brothers and sisters. Notice that Paul already set up the judgment, the discipline. Now, they are to do it, but he gave them an example. He said, as far as I am concerned, I am not with you in the local assembly. This is your responsibility. But I am as if I am present with you, but I am present in spirit. I have already judged. I have already made my evaluation. I have already taken my position. What is the position uh, that you concerning the one that have done this deed? That in the name of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that ye might, when ye gather together, in other words, it is a collective decision. It was not one person's decision to do. It is when ye are gathered together, it is a local assembly's decision, not one man's decision. And my spirit is with you, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So what we learn here, that the person that want to live like the world and its system that headed up by Satan, if that person want to live like that and not to judge himself, to repent and confess and return back to the Lord, well, if he or she or anyone who is a believer and is part of the local assembly, if they want to live like that, well, they cannot do it and live within the assembly, among, be among the people of God. Because when there is such a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle of the world, under, headed up by Satan, out from where the, all of us as people who were redeemed, we came from the world and its system. We came from being influenced by Satan prior to our salvation. And now that we belong to the Lord, things must be different in the life of God's people. It's amazing, beloved brothers and sisters, how the apostle is so strong when he's mentioning these to the believers at Corinth. And what he's really saying to them, well, if that person wants to live like that, if that person doesn't want to judge himself or herself and just simply repent and turn to the Lord in repentance and be restored into fellowship with the Lord, well, that person should go where Satan is active and continuing on to influence the world. And you know it very well that the world is being influenced by Satan's way of life. Satan is the god of this world. He is the one who beguiled Eve already in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 when he was this one that is like subtle. He's coming there. We read in chapter 3, now the serpent was more subtle 
than any beast of the field which the Lord has made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan already right at the beginning had beguiled Eve. Satan right in the beginning was the channel to bring about sin into this world, which Adam in his disobedience have allowed this to happen. So Satan is in his domain is outside from where the gathered saints are, although he is trying to do all sorts of things. And sometimes he is successful when we allow him, but notice that to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. In other words, you want to live this kind of lifestyle? You want to destroy your flesh? You want to commit sin in your life and to carry on with this? Well, okay. Go to Satan's domain where Satan have his own influence upon the unregenerated world. And there it will bring about the destruction of the flesh. And the believer who live like that will find himself ultimately losing out. But notice, this person was a child of God. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. That the spirit may be saved in the days of our Lord Jesus. In other words, this particular individual is a believer, part of the local assembly that fallen into sin, an unjudged sin, and until he would repent and turn back to the Lord and forsake that sin, he will ultimately, as it says here, will bring upon himself destruction of the flesh. And how sad, beloved brothers and sisters, this condition is. And you notice if Satan is the tempter seeking to tempt God's people day after day, day after day, the believers who have the Holy Spirit of God are able to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But whenever we allow the flesh to take over, then we stumble and fall and sin easily beset us. And we need to turn back to the Lord in repentance and praise God. He's always ready to restore God's people. And so, as we are reading here in this text, we find out, beloved brothers and sisters, the need to take action. And so, in the verses 3, 4, and 5, God's people who love the Lord and who love the people of God when sin is unjudged in the midst of the assembly of the believers, they need, first of all, to mourn over it. And secondly, they need to have the help of the Lord in discipline to judge that sin and to put that sin outside from among the people of God. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, uh, we learn from a scripture concerning that Satan is always desiring to be the one that caused God's people to stumble. 
And you remember that we read in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beasts and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Notice the, the devil that deceived them. The devil is a deceiver. That's why if he succeeded to deceive God's people, they need to immediately with the Lord's help to judge that sin and to repent and be restored to the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So now in the next verses, the third lesson that we learn here from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is not only that Paul charged the Corinthians that they did not mourn over sin that existed in their camp. And secondly, the Apostle Paul charged the Corinthians that they did not judge that sin that was in the midst of their camp in the local assembly. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul is now speaking of the fact that there should be a purging of sin on an ongoing basis in the life of God's people. And so in verses 6 to 13, he is instructing the Corinthian to realize that unjudged sin will ultimately be like a cancer that is spreading and spreading further and further and affecting everyone. And so you notice these verses 6 to 13 Shaul Paul continued to say to the Corinthians, he says, Notice, your glorying is not good, verse 6. Know you know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Paul is saying to them, Leaven represents sin. And the leaven is like yeast that is placed in a dough and it, it spread in the dough, and it caused the dough to rise up in the history of the people of Israel. When Israel came out of the land of Egypt, they had to bake bread without leaven in haste, because they need to leave the land of Egypt and to go all the way towards the promised land, and therefore they didn't have time to even the bread to rise. And that's why God required from our forefathers to eat unleavened bread as a reminder that they came out of Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land and it is symbolically speaking of sin. Leaven in scripture represent sin. And if you remember in Exodus chapter 12, God clearly mentioned to Israel that no manner of leaven will be in the home during the Passover season. Because leaven represents sin. Notice what we read. Verse 14 of Exodus chapter 12. This day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord throughout your generation. Ye shall keep the feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread, even from the first day until the... Ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. 
Leaven represents sin and God who would about to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage, out of life of sin, out of the world and its system, out of the land of Egypt. He did not want his people to eat leaven, that which is the yeast that is rise up, which representing sin. That's why when we read in John 1, 29, concerning our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, it says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of this world. That's why Jesus the Messiah came to die to pay for the sin of this world. And so the, the apostle reminding the Corinthians, and again he's going back to his Hebrew heritage, to the knowledge as a Jewish man that he from the history of the people of Israel, and he's saying, don't you know, that the little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. And here, the little leaven, that leaven is the whole lump, is in relationship to moral evil that existed in the local assembly. So, a little leaven, immorality, will bring about uh, leavening the whole lump. In Galatians 5, in verse 9, he used the same expression there, that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lamp. In Galatians, it has to do with respect to doctrinal evil. A little doctrinal evil will spread and leaven the whole lamp. And here, a little immoral leaven will leaven the whole lamp, will leaven the whole company of God's people. So while it is immorality, evil practice or evil doctrine, evil leaven always will spread if it's not judged and it will leaven the whole lump. And so in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he continues and he's saying, purge that old leaven, purge this sin away from among you. Purge ye therefore the old leaven that ye should be a new lump, meaning that you practically shall be a new lump. They are already positionally a new lump. They are already positionally redeemed. Their sins have been forgiven positionally because they have accepted the work and the person of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. But practically, they are not in heaven as yet, as you and I are not in heaven as yet. And it is our practical walk with the Lord that is an issue here in First. Corinthians chapter 5, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. In other words, the sin in which you used to live before you became believer. Why? That you will be practically a new lump as ye, notice that, as ye are. Paul is, is a man of doctrine, of teaching, but also a man of duty and instruction. And so what does he do here? He tells them, you need to be practically new lamp in your life, living godly, as you are already unleavened positionally. You are in Christ, in the Messiah. For, notice verse 7 in the middle, for even the Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. In other words, brethren of the Corinthians, the Messiah, Christ, the Christus, the Anointed, the Mashiach, have already have been sacrificed for us. He have already passed over. Pasach comes from the Hebrew word Pesach. 
He have already passed over you and he forgave your sins. So you belong to him. So if you belong to him, why would you want to continue on in a way that you used to live in the past? Why do you want to live in a sinful way as you used to live before you became believers? So you need to practically put away, purge out that old sinful manner of life that you will be practically a new lump because you are already positionally a new lump. You are already positionally a child of God because the Messiah, Christ, Christot, Mashiach, our Pesach, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Not the sacrifice with E-D at the end. He already offered himself as a sacrifice for us. He already paid for the sin of this world. He already died for you, Corinthians. Therefore, verse 7 Recognize that, realize that, and that you belong to the Lord, you belong to Christ, to the Messiah, and therefore practically walk in the light of your call, in the light of that which you are positionally. Then in verse 8 he said, Therefore, therefore, in light of what I've already told you right now, you need to put these men outside of the assembly, outside unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, he will have to come to a point in which he will ultimately have to realize his sin. He will turn away from this sin and he will be restored to the Lord. And if you will do so, we have to realize that uh, this little leaven, leaven the whole lump. You are not enjoying a relationship with the Lord. Everybody else in the world realize that this is an unjudged sin. Don't let it go on. Deal with it for your benefit. And then he said, therefore, in light of us, let us keep the feast. Which feast? Pesach. The feast of Passover. Now, here, when he says keep the feast, it is a by way of application. The feast was given to Israel. But the believers today are to recognize that the feast of Pesach is a feast that reminds us of deliverance, of redemption. As God had redeemed Israel, He redeemed the believers today who belong to the Lord Jesus the Messiah. And the feast here is not only a certain day, but it is a lifestyle. It is a feast to enjoy the Messiah, to enjoy the Lord Jesus the Messiah for what He has done for us, and to have this attitude in our day-by-day living, to keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Notice that that's what leaven is. It is malice, it is wickedness, it is sin. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Apostle Shaul Paul is instructing the believers at Corinth to mourn for sin, to judge sin, and to purge sin away from their midst in their local assembly. And so he's telling them in verse 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, all of these verses, 
he is telling the Corinthian, he said, I wrote, notice I have already written this to you before. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. And to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, this is exactly what early assembly have said to the apostle Paul who went to the city of Jerusalem. And he told the believers in Jerusalem, the elders, the apostles, how many of the Gentiles came to know the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. And you remember what they said to him when Paul went back away from Jerusalem? James said in verse 19 of Acts 15, Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols, number one, number two, and from fornication, number three, and from things strangled, and number four, and from blood. Paul received the instruction that he have already knew and conveyed this to the local assembly that the believers from among the Gentiles, whether it is in Galatia, whether it is in Corinth, or whether it is in Colossae and other assemblies, that they are to abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things that are strangled and from blood. And so here that fornication is existing in the midst of the assembly. They did not abstain from that. So Paul said to them, I've already wrote this to you. Here he tells them in verse 9, verse 10, I told you not to have company with fornicators, but not altogether from fornicators of this world, because the unregenerated individuals who live such a lifestyle, they're not part of the assembly, part of the, of the ecclesia. And therefore, with them, one can communicate and share the gospel and be a help and seek to lead them to the Lord. But you notice what he says in verse 10? Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must we need to go out of the world. But, verse 11 now I have written unto you, again he make a reference to the previous letter, not to keep company if a man that is a brother. The word here, called a brother, the word for called is not one who only say that he is a brother, but one who is truly a brother. Not to keep company if any man that is a brother if he be fornicator of covetous or idolater or railer or drunkenness or extortioner, with such and one not even to eat. So what he is teaching us here, that within the world in which we live in, there will be these who are living this kind of lifestyle. And the believer in the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, is to seek to preach, to share the message of the grace of God, that there is a way to be forgiven, to receive salvation, if we only trust in the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who came to put away sin. So that person in a world outside of the local assembly, or outside of the church, of the ecclesia, can hear the message, and if we will not be speak to unbelievers altogether, it might as well, 
He says, might as well leave this world. Then we must need to go out of the world. Well, the reason that the Lord left us in the world is so we will preach the message of the gospel to all men and all women, all people of the love of God because we came from that condition. We are sinners by nature. We were far from God. We were blind. We were living a lifestyle that dishonored the Lord before we became redeemed. So Paul is telling the Corinthians not to keep with someone who is a brother. But notice, not only fornicator, but he put it in the same line, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner, with such a one not even to eat. Now, now notice, this person that he's speaking about who are having this situation such as this in their life as believers, they might fall into it, but they don't live in that kind of condition habitually, continuously. They fall into these kind of sins. They shouldn't, but they may fall because of our sin nature but not to live in such a way. You see? So not even to eat. Imagine what he's saying, that if someone lives like that and doesn't judge it after we again and again sought to restore such a one with spirit of, of humility, and that person says, no, I'm continuing on in this way, I don't care what you say, then there must be a practical separation from that brother or that sister until they are restored. He says in verse 12, What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore put away from among yourself that wicked person. And you notice the word person is singular. Apparently, there was one person in that context, in connection with that sexual immorality, with that fornication, that he was a believer, and that he, as it says here, done this evil deed, and they did not judge that condition, but rather that they were puffed up. So it is reported among commonly that there is a fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And so the Apostle Paul is giving here this very important principle that all of us need the Lord to help us with. If we love the Lord, and we do, because He first loved us, and if we love His people, they are brothers and sisters, and they belong to the Lord, we should have these threefold attitude. Number one, mourning. We should weep over sin that existing unjudged assembly. Number two, we need the Lord to help us to judge that sin, to evaluate, to see it, to acknowledge that. And number three, to purge that sin out and to put that person out of fellowship. But always, beloved brothers and sisters, in view of restoration. And what I 
think it is very precious because in Second Corinthians chapter 2, apparently that person was restored. And he repented of his sin. And Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 2 says about this person. But if any have caused grief, he said, he has not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. This is verse 5 of Second Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6, sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye should confirm your love toward him. In other words, This person was put out by the local assembly, but he repented. And now the Apostle Shaul Paul wants to teach the Corinthians that they need to learn not only to put someone out, but also to bring someone back in and to restore when the person repented, not to be overly harsh and overly proud and overly thinking that one is so much better than the other, but to learn to forgive, to learn to allow restoration, that there will be blessing, because what's happening oftentimes, that we know at times how to put out, but we have a lot of problem in knowing how to restore and to bring someone back inside into practical fellowship. Well, may the Lord help God's people uh, today and at all time. God bless you, dear beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends. Until the next time, we would say to you, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching, on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.